Hey everybody, welcome to a very special edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and today is the day that you've been waiting for all year. It's the time when we look back at the best of the last 12 months in the world of soaps. It is our best of 2012 edition of Soap Central Live, and over the course of the next commercial-free hour, you will hear from the SoapCentral.com Two Scoops columnist, who will be talking about their selections for the best stories, the best characters, everything that was the best of 2012. We are going to go alphabetically this year to make it easier to follow, so that means up first is The Bold and the Beautiful, and we are welcoming back our Two Scoops columnist, Allison J. Waldman, who's here to talk about everything that went on on The Bold and the Beautiful in 2012. Allison, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Oh, thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. 2012, let's face it, it was a very sad year on The Bold and the Beautiful, and I know that we'll probably have a lot to talk about that next week on our Worst Of show, but let's focus on the good things. It is, after all, our Best Of show. So what, for you, were some of the highlights in 2012 on The Bold and the Beautiful? Well, I'd say the highlights were probably uh, the emergence of some characters that hadn't gotten a lot of attention before and really came to the forefront. Uh, we certainly got to see a lot of the young people, Liam, Hope, Steffi. Some would say we got to see too much of them. But it was definitely ushering in the new and sort of uh, saying goodbye to the old in that we've said goodbye to uh, uh, Susan Flannery's character, Stephanie, and also Ridge pretty much uh, in the character, of, well, as played by Ron Moss, has disappeared. Presumably he will be coming back. So. The uh, the positives, I think, were, you know, bringing in a lot of new stuff and kind of turning the page. We also said goodbye to the Maronis, uh, no more Nick and Jackie. And uh, we also had the, the, the inkling of a, an interesting gay storyline with Caroline's two mommies. And generally speaking, we had, you know, marriages and weddings, like, constantly. There were weddings every time you turned around. And we had some uh, interesting uh, storylines involving Katie, obviously her choosing to become pregnant, her choosing to, uh, despite the fact that she has this transplanted heart, the fact that she had a heart attack, she had an out-of-body experience. A lot of stuff happened with, uh, with Katie that was very interesting and certainly put a big strain on her marriage to Bill, uh, which is now going to be in, in an even bigger strain uh, as we see what's going to happen next with Brooke. So I'd say that's the positive. The positive is the new stuff. Well, there were a lot of sad stories, of course, on The Bold and Beautiful, but it seems as though these stories this past year really brought out the best in the acting, certainly from Heather Tom, who you just mentioned, and Susan Flannery, and everyone that was sort of in the orbits of these stories it seems as though they stepped up their game. Yeah, I think even uh, Hunter Tylo, even though I'm not crazy about the way they're writing uh, some of Taylor's storyline, she's definitely upped her game. Catherine Kelly Lang has been terrific, and Don Demont has been, you know, excellent. So can't really complain about the acting. I, I think you're absolutely right. We've seen a definite uptick in the quality of the acting, people being challenged by the storylines, and really coming through. Another thing I would mention as a positive was uh, this year, uh, I don't know exactly why more this year than another year, 
But we did quite a few remotes on The Bold and Beautiful. We got out of the studio. We went to Cabo for a Mexican adventure. We were on the beach. There were ATVs and sand dunes. Then we went to Aspen not once but three times. We went to Italy for a magnificent wedding uh, that included the magic iPad that was able to photograph and film an entire scene of <laughs> of Liam and Steffi without them even knowing the camera was on. And uh, generally speaking, you know, we really got a lot of variety as far as the look of the show. As we're talking about this, of course, I want to remind our listeners that Allison's Best of and worst of columns for The Bold and Beautiful are going to be posted coming up the week of December 24th on SoapCentral.com. Be sure to read that because, Allison, I'm sure there's a lot more in that column than we would ever have time to discuss in the course of this little segment here on the show. Oh, yes. How did 2012 overall compare to some of the other years that you've been writing? Well, I think it was a good year. Uh, I think they got a little bit far away from fashion. And for people who like that aspect of the show, I think that was missed. We didn't have as many fashion shows. We didn't have as much uh, the competition between, you know, Forrester and Maroney. Uh, we also lost, you know, there was like no mention at all of Ion Fashion. Uh, that aspect of the show, which has been so integral for so many years, just sort of kind of faded away. We had some corporate intrigue as far as who uh, really owns Forrester Creations, who's going to run the company. Uh, but Bill's kind of, you know, pulled himself out of that squabble when he was really into it before. And the uh, the whole competition between, you know, Caroline, the designer, Thomas, the designer, Rick, the fake designer, uh, you know, all of that kind of fell into the background, and we didn't get a lot of emphasis on uh, that aspect of the show, and I kind of missed it. Well, there are some other things I'm sure that you missed, and if you're willing, we will have you back next week to talk about the worst of The Bold and the Beautiful, if there's anything that you can come up with for that. Oh, I think I can. <laughs> but you don't go too far because we're also going to no, have no, you no, back no. later in the show for The Young and the Restless. Okay, I'll stand by. Hi, everybody. This is Adam Michael James from Soap Central Live wishing all of you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, fill in the blank, but have a good one, whatever it is. Two thousand twelve was a great year for the bold and the beautiful and that the soap celebrated its big twenty fifth anniversary. But that doesn't mean that that the only thing that we had to celebrate in two thousand twelve. We are now going to talk to Adam Michael James about some of the things that were stellar of the year gone by on B and B. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, Dan. It's good to be back. So as I mentioned, it was a big year anniversary wise for the bold and the beautiful. Did you think that this show would ever make it to be 25 years. 25 years, a quarter century. <laughs> who, who among us thought that we would make it that far? But, <laughs> but no, I mean, watching it back in the 80s, I mean, there's no way, yeah, that you could have pictured it would last this long. I'm glad it made it. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of kind of anniversary stuff that happened this year. But for me, I think kind of the, the sweetest little moment of that was was Stephanie and Eric's wedding back in March because it was kind of unexpected, but it was so informal. It was so heartfelt. You had Phyllis Diller officiating, 
you know, you can't really go wrong there. And um, it was just a really nice way to kind of, you know, bookend the 25 years. And it certainly was nice considering how the year ended with Stephanie Susan Flannery leaving the show. Do you think that, uh, you know, do you think that this is something that The Bold and the Beautiful should do more of, these sort of lighthearted moments? Is that something that makes the show a success? Um, not necessarily. I, I mean, I think that it sometimes, I mean, lighthearted stuff you have to be really careful with because it can become cheesy very quickly. Um, of course, you do need balance on a show, so you do need to have lighter moments. But I think sometimes the really hard-hitting, dramatic stuff, if it's done well, um, can be better than the lighthearted moments. Because I think sometimes a lot of people, that's what they watch a soap for, is for the drama. So and give me give me some examples of some of the things in 2012 that were hard hitting and well done. Well, um, you know, of course, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm sure it's already been mentioned, but Stephanie, you know, her her exit was amazing. I mean, not only was it well drawn out, it linked into all the characters, all the history, the performances were amazing, but it was something that wasn't over in a week or two. You know, the thing with the pacing on, I think, all the shows now is everything happens so fast. So to have something that actually kind of happened over a month or two, just really, it allowed you to invest into, even though you knew what was going to happen, you know, um, you, you knew it was going to be sad, you knew Stephanie was going to be gone, but when it happened, it was still satisfying. And it seems to be that, as sad as it was, and certainly Allison and I talked about this in the last segment, there were so many powerful and amazing performances that were brought out by something that was really so sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think all of these folks love the chance to dig into the more serious material and perform it. And it really showed that they were enjoying what they were doing. The, you know, I think they were all also sad that Susan Flannery was leaving. So, you know, that was very evident as well. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just so amazing. Are there any things in 2012 that you found yourself liking that you either just didn't want to like or <laughs> were convinced <laughs> that you wouldn't like? Um, wow, that's a tough one. Um, I have for best location, um, um, Italy, simply because I wasn't crazy about the story that went on around it, but it was just beautifully filmed and it was nice to see B&B, you know, kicking it old school and, you know, doing a real remote, you know, somewhere that isn't Aspen or, I mean, I suppose Cabo San Lucas, but it's still fairly close to LA. And, and I like the way... Um, that that was done. And, you know, in this time where money is stretched as far as it can, even an Aspen location shoot is certainly a big deal. But when you're talking about going to Europe, that was, um, it's amazing that B&B somehow found the money to be able to do something. And then when they did it, that it was done well. It was so nice to be able to see that. You could tell all of the beautiful colors of Italy and I think it was a great treat to fans. It was. It was. And um, also, this kind of ties into another one of my best, I would say, best return was Sean Kane and his Deacon. I mean, okay, there were a few things that I thought, well, it would have been nice to see Deacon interact with Brooke or, you know, that kind of thing. But just what a foil for Bill Deacon turned out to be. And who knew? It was just, it was nice to watch these powerhouse kind of barracudas, you know, butt heads. Is there another rivalry that either 
you see coming that could work out for you or any other rivalries that you really enjoyed seeing play out on the show? Ooh, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> right. You know what? It's going to sound strange. I know a lot of people are up in arms about um, the Brooke, Bill, Katie triangle right now. And I'm not sure how I feel about it myself. But one of the things that if they do it right that I am looking forward to is watching Brooke and Katie battle it out. Because that that's just such an interesting dynamic. They've always been, you know, kind of maybe not best friends, but they've always been very close and, you know, you've always felt the love between them. And to just see them kind of turn on each other would be kind of new and interesting and different. Well, before we end our look at the best of B&B and try to strong arm you into coming back to talk about the worst of the past year, is there anything coming up that you're looking forward to in 2013 that would really make the year a stellar year for B&B? Well, I don't know of anything specific that's coming up. I do know that, you know, they're going to give Daisy and Marcus um, a little bit more um, background and kind of explore that. That's going to be good. Um, of course, Danielle and Karen are supposed to be coming back for a little while. I'm looking forward to that. I would just like to see a little bit more balance on the show and to, you know, just kind of spread the wealth among the characters, especially fan favorites that people aren't really getting a chance to see, like Thorne and... You know, I think that would be really good. I, I think they're I think they're already starting to do it here at the end of 2012, but I would like to see more of that in 2013. Well, this was our celebration of everything that was good about it. Uh, your two scoops column, the best and worst of it's a, a two part all in one little event, of course, will be posted December 31st. So soap fans can go and check that out on the website. But in the meantime, will we be able to convince you to come back on Soap Central Live next week to talk about the things that you didn't like? You better believe it. <laughs> well, then we'll definitely look forward to seeing you then. Hi, everybody. This is Tony. Hey, I'm Larissa. We're your Days 2 Scoopers, wishing you a happy holidays. And a Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. And a Happy Hanukkah. And hopefully happy non-Maya apocalypse. And um, happy Festivus. That's good, right, Tony? That, that's very good. And uh, I'd say Three Kings Day, but that's kind of a little bit, uh, a couple weeks away. Uh, uh, happy Day know. After Christmas shopping is definitely one that we want to wish them. Happy uh, Days, non-disaster. Hopefully the show is good in a couple weeks and going into yeah. 2013. Exactly. So we better get our ornaments ready for Horton Tree because um, we need to go and, and hang them up. In 2007, the tasty tradition started on SoapCentral.com that involves donuts. But these are no ordinary donuts. These are golden donuts. And they honor the best of the year in Days of Our Lives. I'm joined now by SoapCentral.com's Days of Our Lives Two Scoops columnist, Tony and Larissa, to take a look back at the best of the last 12 months in Salem. That's right. It's time for a look back at the best of Days of Our Lives 2012. Tony and Larissa, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Thanks, Dan. Okay, so let's just get right to it now. This is the sixth time that you guys have done a best of column. Was 2012 at the top of the pack? Or if not, where do you think it ranked in terms of the best of the best? 
I think it probably is um, pretty close to the top of the pack. There was a lot of good returns that happened in 2012 that was really fun to scoop. And um, with it being the year that the Olympics was and Days Days and NBC put a lot of uh, effort into making that big days after cliffhanger um, to get some viewers in around the Olympic time, I think that that was probably something that added to the overall bestedness of 2012. Now, the two of you are the only Two Scoops columnists to do a joint column every year for the best and for the worst. Of course, we'll talk about the worst coming up next week on the show. Tony, is it safe to assume that when you're doing these columns that you are pretty much always in agreement on all of the best of? We, we, we agree. We both agree and disagree. We're, we're definitely two creatures. And we, you know, we, like, when we came together, we're just like, you know, it's a party. It's, it's days. You know, days is a great show with tradition and celebrating the holidays and bringing everybody together. So when we initially started to do the, the best of and worst of together, we're just like, Hey, let's, let's do this. And we kind of just, we kind of just wrote an intro paragraph and then slapped on our selections. And as like, you know, some of them were similar, some of them were different. So, you know, you know, this the last couple of years we've been like, okay, we'll each pick two. And then if we overlap, we, you know, we, we go to our second pick. So, you no, know, we're definitely, you know, come at it from two completely different, you know, mindsets and just have a good time laughing as, as we, you know, go through the categories <laughs> and pick the appropriate winners. Larissa, it sounds like Tony is being diplomatic. Let me just get right to it. I understand that the two of you disagree strongly on the best return of the year. So let's start off with the first category. What is your pick for best return in 2012? Okay, well, we do disagree, and there's the right way, and then there's what Tony thinks. So <laughs> I think that what when we talk about best return, um, my pick was Eric Brady, and I had been waiting for this pick. I'd been waiting for this 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 to happen since I since Eric and Nicole were rollerblading on that boardwalk together, and I always thought that because there's such a well upholstered place in my heart for Nicole that. I was kind of tired of seeing her be the second choice for guy after guy after guy after guy, and there was always the one guy who was the one for Nicole, and I always thought that was Eric. So I was really, really excited when he came back, and I just kind of felt like, okay, okay, this is good. Like, finally, Nicole's going to be the center of attention, which is, I mean, always what Nicole and I both want. So that was my pick. Now, Tony, I know that this is not your best pick, so we're going to have to talk about that next week on the show. I'm guessing from reading your columns and from having you here on the show, it should be a fairly easy guess to come up with your best return, but I'll play the person who's never read your column. What is the best return of 2012 for you? You know, it was it was really hard. I had a long list. That I, like, I, it was arduous. I narrowed it down, and then I finally like I was you know pro and con. I'm like, yeah, maybe Kristen. I'm like, I, I guess Eileen Davidson coming back was it was okay. I'm like, I'm okay with that. So oh, she came back this year, Tony. Uh, just for a brief stint, yeah. Oh, she did. Oh, okay, I must have missed that. Huh. Yeah, I, I meant I just you know it was it was a, in the um, random thoughts section. I mentioned it so. It wasn't a really big thing for me, so I just kind of try to downplay it a lot. We don't really want to talk too much about the best characters and the best actors and actresses of the year. We want to give folks a chance to read something when your Two Scoops columns get posted online. You'll be able to check out the Golden Donuts on December 24th, followed by the Alex North Memorial Awards for the Worst coming up the week of December 31st. But we do have plenty of 
best of picks on the show today. We're going to now go to something that, well, Eileen Davidson was a surprise. You're just finding out this now. This next category may be earth-shattering for you. Larissa, we're going to talk about the best surprises of 2012. Do you have anything that really made you sort of uh, gasp? I did, I did. And, and Tony, when Tony and I put together the column, we try to pick out certain moments from the show that, that are memorable, because um, a lot of them add up to the things where we talk about in best storyline and things like that. But there are oftentimes just these little uh, moments where you see it and you go, oh my gosh, I totally did not expect that to happen. And for me, my best surprise was to happen um, a couple weeks ago when... Sammy found out that Race had been lying to her about Nicole's baby, and she actually stood up to him, and she just let him have it. She let him have it like I've been wishing she'd let him have it for three and a half years. He had always had the upper hand in that relationship. One of their very first scenes was him locking her in the bathroom and then him sitting down on the couch to watch basketball. And that dynamic always seemed kind of to hold consistent throughout Sammy and Race's whole relationship. It was always... Whatever Rafe said, Rafe was always right. Sammy was always the wrong one. Sammy was the one who always screwed up. Sammy was the one who was the bad guy. And so to not only have Rafe actually be the bad guy, but for the writers to actually let Sammy call him on that, I, I was more surprised that that actually took place. I thought everything Sammy said was right, but I just never thought I'd see the day where Sammy actually stood up to him and told him, hey, this isn't going to fly with me. So that was the biggest surprise for me was the fact that that actually took place. And I act- it happened in my head all the time, Dan. Like every single time in my head, I was like, this is what she should be saying to him. But it never actually happened on screen. So to actually see it on screen was a big surprise. Before I get to your pick, Tony, uh, Larissa, was this something when it played out on screen? Was it everything you hoped for and more? It was, it was everything I hoped for and more. I mean, it was... The, the 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 Sammy, feisty Sammy Spunk came back finally. And granted, I would have liked to see her hold on to those convictions longer than <clears throat> maybe a week. But uh, the fact was it did exist in that one glorious moment, and no one can ever take that away from us. Well, we're not going to take it away from you, but we are going to let Tony share his moments for his best surprise of 2012. Tony, was your surprise more recent, like your counterpart, or are you going back further into the year for your big surprise? Mine was kind of mid-year. Um, it's, it's weird because it's like, it wasn't a shocker, but it was a surprise moment. Um, it's when actually when Will came out to Marlena. Because it was very, you know, like the whole thing with Will had been budding and, you know, him testing the water and slowly coming out. But then it was just it was just a really good moment between, especially between Chandler Massey and Deirdre Hall. Like, they played it to perfection where he just, like, you know, walks up to her and just, like, casually lets it slip with his, like, dog grin on his face. And it was just, like, just one of those heartfelt moments where you're just, like, you know, the awe moment, so to speak. So it was just a really good surprise because it was kind of, you, you kind of, a lot of times, too, it's, especially with days, it's like, you know, even... I'm going to get a glass of, 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 and it stretched out through an entire episode or even a week sometimes. And you're like, what are you getting a glass of? Oh, water. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, when stuff is stretched out like that and big dramatic reveals are like, tend to take a week, it was just this nice little, oh yeah, by the way, you know, grandma, da 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 da. And so it was just, it was a good moment. It was, and it just, like I said, it was well played out by both the actors and it was just all around good. Well, I like that you pretty much set up the next category because there is something dramatic that has happened in this year's Golden Donuts. 
Was that a good dramatic pause, or do I need to do I need to stretch it out even further? <laughs> I I always prefer the dramatic pause. You know, we are bidding farewell, Larissa, to one of the categories. This is very sad for us. We will no longer be talking about the best or worst recast in our column or in your column. I have nothing to do with this, so don't send me the upset mail. <laughs> Why are we ditching the best recast category? We ditched the best recast category. Um, one, because soaps are just at a different point, I think, in time right now, where a lot of roles aren't recast. Um, if they don't like a character, they kill that character off and they start with a new character. There just haven't been very many times where, um, you know, I don't want to say that writers are invested, but maybe that's it. Maybe there just haven't been enough time where the writers have been that invested in a character that when an actor decides to leave, they, they don't, they don't still, uh, pick up and, you know, send Jack into the shower with one face and he comes out with the other. We just don't have that anymore. So, um, you know, we, we, ha we had to kind of say goodbye to that. And we think that there are some other places in our column. We have a best vet category. We have a best recurring character. We have a best new character category. So when you talk about best recast, that can kind of fit into one of the others. So we thought that it would be better to pave the way for something that, um, like I was talking before, gives a, ch a chance to really highlight those awesome soap moments that we all watch so and one of those moments that we watch for, we have a new category to talk about. It's best tearjerker, Tony. Do you have something that you will admit made you get a little weepy <laughs> over the past year? I I've been hormonal this whole year, so like I swear <laughs> to God, like even the commercial like commercial breaks, I'm like, oh God, I'm like bawling like a baby this year. I have no idea why. Um, but one of the things, and this is like you know like we were chuckling about it when we met about it, but it was um, during Lexi's, like after Lexi passed away, uh, there was this moment between EJ and Abe where they just kind of like, you know, were trying to, you know, make peace with each other as best they could. And then, you know, for Theo, for Lexi, and just, you know, for peace of the family. And then just kind of like, you know, did, did that hesitant, uh, straight guy, what do we do here thing? And then they just gave each other a hug. And that was just like, it just, like, brought together, like, everything that Lexi stood for. It's just, like, she just loved everybody in her life, and she just wanted them to all get along. It was just kind of like that moment where you're like, if they're hugging, Lexi's really dead. And then just, like, boom, waterworks. <laughs> I mean, in the very most macho way, I cried, of course, but mm -hmm. it was definitely maybe a tear or two. Well, that solves one of my dilemmas. I was going to take a commercial break after this segment, but I don't want to send you into tears. So we're going <laughs> to skip the commercial and just let everybody know that they can read the entire list of the best of moments from Days of Our Lives 2012 in the Golden Donut Awards posted on SoapCentral.com coming up next week. It's December 24th. And don't think that there are not moments that we would like to forget the worst of Days of Our Lives moments. We're going to be discussing them next week on Soap Central Live coming up on December 28th. Tony and Larissa, will you join me next week to talk about the stuff that didn't work? Indeed. Oh, bells are on. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Liz Masters from Soap Central wishing everybody a very, very Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Jennifer Biller from General Hospital 2 Scoops. I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Have a holly jolly Christmas. There was perhaps no more universally praised soap in 2012 than General Hospital. General Hospital saw its ratings go up in 2012, 
and it really is a soap that has found another life. So, of course, we want to find out what about 2012 made GH so great. We're here to talk to Liz Masters, who's going to preview a little bit about what she picked as the best of GH 2012. Liz, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's interesting. I was reading your column, and one of the things that you selected as the best of 2012 actually isn't even a storyline. It was the decision by ABC to move GH up an hour in the time slot. How is that okay. something that really made GH the best? Well, I think um, it, what really got to me was is when they did the time change, I know that they were hoping that it would be like the death of General Hospital. But it wasn't because what Ron Carvalotti did and Frank Valentini, they capitalized on those displaced viewers who were watching One Life to Live at 2 o'clock and still haven't really kind of found where they were going to go. They brought back some One Life to Live fan favorites onto General Hospital. And I think that that was brilliant because everybody who was watching One Life to Live maybe didn't know where to go. Here's 2 o'clock. Oh, my God, there's Todd Manning. Let me see what he's up to. And boom, there they were. Now they are committed viewers to General Hospital. They loved everything else that was going on. A lot of action came back this year, a lot of suspense, adventure, and we had some great returns. So even those viewers that fell by the wayside, they were drawn back in. So it, it kind of was a, a, a double whammy for them. A great writing and the time slot worked perfectly to their advantage. You mentioned One Life to Live and the integration of some of the characters, and I know that some GH fans were a little upset about that. They would prefer to see only General Hospital characters. In your opinion, what do you think is the best integrated One Life to Live character into the GH stories? Uh, right now, I would have to say Todd Manning, because he is, uh, you know, of course he's, he's involved with Carly, but because he has Manning Enterprises and he's now in charge of Crimson Magazine. He's got a publishing house, which is going to bring Molly's storyline in with it. He, he's kind of really uh, weaving into all the storylines. But John is now working at the police station. So I think in 2013, we are going to see John folding more into the fabric of everybody's storylines. You know, he's going to, I, I'm quite sure he's going to be with Sam and whatever adventure she has ahead of her. I think she's going to take a really big direction change as far as the character goes. Now with Jason out of the picture, there's really no reason for her to be part of the mob, if you will. So I'm actually going to, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with her. There were so many returns in 2012. I'm sure that it's hard to pick just one that was the best of the year. But I'm going to make you do it anyway. <laughs> what was the best return <laughs> of 2012? I have to say, and, and, and all of them were great. Real, I love, I love all of them. But AJ, and the reason why I pick AJ, and I and I mention it in my column, is because it kind of brings the past back to the present. Um, you know, when when Carly got pregnant with Michael, and all of that happened. The fans were kind of divided. Was she doing the right thing? Wasn't she doing the right thing? And, of course, as the years unfolded, AJ did many stupid things. So did Carly, so did Sonny, so did Jason. And now Michael is the adult. And ultimately, he is going to be the final word on who was right, who was wrong. And, you know, I don't want to spoil my column because I want you guys to read it. But I love AJ's return because it not only 
kind of brought the past back into the present, but it helped pave the way um, in kind of roundabout way for Edward's passing. And when John Ingalls died, everybody wondered, what are they going to do with, with Edward? And I believe they did a phenomenal job of, of paying their respects to the character and the actor. And you mentioned uh, you don't want to give away okay. too much from your column because no, you want folks to read it. But we will tease them that Edward and that storyline does make another appearance in surprisingly yeah. uh, an interesting place in the column. One I that know. is sad and yet happy. So I have, to, <laughs> I have to tell you, we, of course, next week need to talk about the things in 2012 that didn't work. Will you join us next week to uh, sort of out with the old and get rid of all the stuff that we didn't like? Yes, gladly. Lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, we will see you next week. But what we're going to do now is take a listen to your partner in Two Scoopdom. Jennifer is here to talk about her selections for the best of 2012 on General Hospital. Jennifer, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dan, for having me to talk about General Hospital. It seems hard to believe that a full year has gone by since we did our last best of worst of shows, but I guess that's a good sign because it means that the, the show must have been good and everything was moving so fast because we were enjoying what we saw. Was that the case with GH in 2012? It was. I was just looking back through my last year of columns, and the amount of storyline and different stories that were told, it, I don't think I've ever had a year where it's been this tough to write a best-worst column. There were so many storylines that went on this year, and I think a lot of that had to do with the change in the regime because, you know, some stories would start and then abruptly stop. But there was so much to cover this year. It, it, it's almost like I had ADD. I couldn't focus at all. <laughs> Well, some fans also know that in the past you did write the Two Scoops column for As the World Turns. Have you ever encountered a year for either As the World Turns or GH when things were just really so good? I don't, I don't think I ever have. Um, if I do, it's been too long that I can't remember. <laughs> As the World Turns that last year was really excellent. Um, but this year for GH, I think just the resurgence and the new life that the show has and fans are finding it again and the, I'll be honest, I mean, the, the new regime is listening to us. Um, I think you've, you've read my columns the past couple of years about, you know, what I wanted to see happen on General Hospital and soaps in general. Um, and it's like they have taken that list and they're returning things to family. They're bringing back veterans. They're changing the tone from violence. Um, it's just very exciting to be a soap fan of General Hospital right now because I think we at all, we were just ready to – you know, bury it, I think, because that was the way things were going in daytime, and it's just been a complete resurgence, and we're just very excited. Well, something that GH seems to have done, and it's nothing that I would say is official, but when Port Charles was on the air, they did something called books, where they did basically 13-week arcs of story, and while GH isn't doing that officially, it seems like they have a lot of big stories, but they only last for a short period of time, and then they move on to another really big story. Is that something that you picked up on, and is that something that you think has been successful? Yes, I think they are doing it, and like I said, when I was uh, looking back at past columns, there's been so much of that. Like, you'll have, um, you know, the Lady in White story arc, and Jerry Jack's poisoning the water. Uh, it's just one little story after another. But the thing that they are really doing that's excellent is they are folding those tinier storylines into a to bigger storylines. So there's repercussions, something you may not realize happened months ago. 
which is what I love. And I think I think this is a successful storytelling model to do this because, you know, let's face it, we all have different opinions about who our favorite characters are. So someone may like that 13-week, you know, storyline arc with Liz, um, but someone who doesn't like Liz is excited about the next storyline with Carly and Todd. So, yeah, I think it's a successful story model, and I hope they continue to do that. Well, let's then go into some of the specifics and talk about characters or storylines that you liked. Uh, who were some of the characters that in 2012 you thought really earned their spot in the spotlight? I think first and foremost has to be Jason Thompson or Patrick. Um, he has killed it every day with this morning storyline. Even this past week I was watching and, you know, talking to Robin's ghost and he just rips your heart out every single day when you watch him. He's just been fabulous all year long. Um, he's just been my favorite, I think, in terms of this is what soap acting is, and he's fantastic. I mean, I don't think I've seen a better performance on primetime even. He's great. And what about some of the stories? Obviously, then, that whole storyline would be one of your favorite, but were there other stories that just kept you riveted throughout the year? Yeah, well, I think my top pick for best storyline of the year is A.J. Quartermain is Alive. I think you'll hear a collective hallelujah from everyone who's watched this show for decades. <laughs> uh, fans have just been clamoring for his resurrection, I think, for a long time. Uh, so hopefully the Quartermains, even though we've lost Edward, can you know come to the forefront again because every great soap has a great core family, and I think G.H. forgot that along the way. Plus, uh, the big thing with that storyline is AJ is back to hopefully bond with Michael. He's been shut out of his life for so long, an entire decade. And that was an injustice that I think fans really want to see corrected. And let's face it, with Jason presumed dead, we need another leading man. And he's quite delicious. And I have to admit, uh, I was intrigued by his scenes with Elizabeth. So that is my pick for the top storyline. Well, there's a couple of things in there that you mentioned that haven't happened yet but could happen. So let's turn our attention briefly to 2013 and talk about some of the things that you'd like to see or some of the things that could happen to make sure that 2013 is another blockbuster year for GH? Uh, I would like to see, and this is based on a relatively short scene with uh, AJ and Elizabeth. I was seeing all kinds of sparks there. I would kind of like to see um, those two perhaps pursue something. Uh, I would love to see there be a struggle for ELQ that would possibly bring back Dylan and Ned. Uh, and, of course, any scene with Tracy in is a thumbs-up for me. So I think, you know, the more she's involved with this, the better. Uh, I'd like to see Luke involved with this also. I think there's just the possibilities are endless. I think the ELQ, I like the business storylines. I always have. I loved it when Jasper Jacks came to town and tried to take over ELQ. And I think those are fun, and especially being we need the core family back in Port Charles. And I think uh, that storyline could really put that in the forefront. Well, earlier this week, it was revealed that Stephen Nichols is out at The Young and the Restless. In 2013, would you like to see him possibly come back and uh, reprise his role as an evil Cassidyne on GH? Listen, I loved him as a Cassidyne, and I, I love Stephen Nichols. I would welcome any veteran back. Uh, I think it would be kind of strange with Nicholas off um, the canvas, but... I, I don't know. It seems like they're really great at bringing these veterans back and folding them into these storylines. So I, I would love to welcome him back. And, you know, he wasn't always such a bad guy. Do you remember the romantic um, arc he had with Catherine? Yes. His relationship with Nicholas was always um, really good. And, uh, you know, 
Shades of gray, Dan. Shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be no shades of gray when your best of worst of column is posted coming up next week. It'll be posted December 24th. And I'm hoping, Jennifer, that we can maybe twist your arm to get you to come back next week to talk about the worst of GH in 2012. Oh, is there money involved, Dan? <laughs> we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> yes, I will definitely be back. I can't wait to talk about what I thought were the worst storylines of the year. Great, then we'll see you next week. Okay. To all my YNR fans, this is Nita. I am the two-scooper for Young and the Restless. And I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of you who faithfully show up to read what we have to say each and every week and who take the time to share your opinions with us. So I say thank you and you are appreciated. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. The Young and the Restless recently marked yet another year as the number one soap in daytime television. And there is a reason that this show has been number one for decades now. We're about to find out one of those reasons from our Two Scoops columnist, Nita, who is back. Nita, as I was telling you before the show started, it seems like we just did our Best and Worst of 2011 show last week. Yeah, it's amazing how fast 365 days can fly by. And this was a leap year, so there was even an extra day in there. <laughs> okay, the <laughs> So, I mean, it, it seems, it's even more impressive that it seems like it was yesterday. Uh, one of the things that we have to address, and of course Liz talked about it with General Hospital earlier in the show, is that sometimes the best things that happen to our soaps aren't things that we see play out on screen. They're actually things that happen behind the scenes. And one of those was the change of not only executive producer but also head writer at The Young and the Restless and I'm understanding that you think that this is one of the best decisions that the show could have made over the past 12 months. I agree. I am having a ball, you know, watching to see what's going to happen. One of the things that I look for when I use my valuable time to watch TV is I have to be entertained. I, I don't want to, I, I like to guess at what's going to happen, but I don't want to always be right. I want some surprises in there, and I want some excitement, and I want to go away feeling like I've been entertained. And I feel like that's what these guys are giving me, this, this guy and this lady. And I know there are plenty of fans out there who are not pleased with the stories of the new regime. Some even feel that things have worsened under their guidance. But call me crazy or Easily pleased, you pick. I have no real complaints worth airing. You know, I, I expect that I won't like everything, every one of their storylines, but I have to admit for now, I'm more than happy with the offerings. And anytime I can't definitely guess what is going to happen next, I count myself entertained, like I said. So well, let's look at some of the things that maybe weren't working prior when the other writers were in place to something that has come around that you're actually liking. Is there a storyline that's been turned around by the new head writer that suddenly you're on board with? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I am a Phyllis. Everybody knows that I am not a big Phyllis fan. But after her non-trial, you know, which I expected, I expected it to come out the way it did. But I'm happy with what they did do to her. You know, she's moved on with Jack. She's, she's much more pleasant to watch now. You know, I like that, and I love what the writers are doing with the characters. So many times we watch, and we scream at the TV, tell her this, say that to him. How come you're not telling him, why don't you remind him about this that they did? 
And now I've noticed that. They're starting to do that. They talk about the things that happened. The conversations aren't, aren't running like they were just born the day before. You know, they're reminding each other, well, you did this and you did that, and I like that. Well, it sounds like you're a lot of fun to watch TV with if you're yelling at the screen. <laughs> I <laughs> do yell. <laughs> and of I course, popcorn. <laughs> oh, see, I do that at the movie theater if the movies are bad, but uh, you can't do that nowadays. They'll throw you out. Um, you mentioned that you're not a Phyllis fan, so folks will undoubtedly hear some about that in our worst of the Young and the Restless show, which will be airing next week on December 28th. But all of these things are already in your best and worst of column on SoapCentral.com. The column is posted coming up the week of the 24th. So you're going to want to make sure that you go and check out what Nita has to say, especially since she is gushing over one particular character. I'm guessing this is your favorite character. It was probably the favorite character last year, but let's uh, just get rid of the suspense. Who's your favorite character of 2012? Okay. No surprise to you, Dan, but for the second year in a row, my all-around Blue Ribbon favorite general sitting is, again, Adam Newman. Okay, so what is it that makes him special? There are other people who want to just, you know, throttle him, and you just seem to love you some Adam. Well, well, first I want to say that all of the men and women on the YNR canvas, they're supremely talented. For the most part, I enjoy them all. But Adam, he has the best lines. He has his scenes are accompanied by the best music. And all the little things that he does, the, the, the little facial works that he does, I mean, when you watch him, you can't take your eyes off of him. His face, he's so expressive. And every scene he's in, he's good. But what makes it even more fun to watch is it doesn't matter who he's playing opposite because they're better, even better than they were. I mean, they're, it, it's like they, it appears that working opposite him, you really have to be on your toes because I don't know if he ad-libs or if he just has good lines, but he just brings, he, he, he uplifts everything that he's in. And that's, that's the best way I can, you know, explain it is he just, he seems real. I have to wonder if he is, if there is a lot of Adam Newman in Michael. <laughs> well, this will be a very exciting surprise for you and for folks who are listening. But Michael Muni is going to be a guest on Soap Central Live coming up in early 2013. So we're going to have to make sure that we ask him these questions. Is he ad-libbing? Is he having fun with his scenes? How much of Adam Newman is actually in Michael Muni? So maybe we'll... Uh, rope you in as a special caller so you can call in and ask him some of these questions yourself. That would be great. Ooh, you, you got very, uh, sounded like you might be <laughs> blushing a little bit on that one. <laughs> okay, I don't blush. <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about the things that we liked, or that you liked, I should say. Uh, I'm guessing there are going to be some things that you didn't like. Would you be willing to come back next week for our worst of show to get these all out of your system? I would love to get it out of my system. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to thank you for talking about the best of Y&R, and we're going to have you back next week. Okay, I look forward to it. Hi, this is Allison Waldman, the two-scoop columnist for The Young and the Restless, and I'd like to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holiday. And a wonderful 2013 for everybody and all our soap fans out there. 
So keep watching and keep tuning in to SoapCentral.com. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. That's what Nita had to say about the best of The Young and the Restless in 2012. And earlier in this show, Allison was here to talk about what she thought was the best for The Bold and the Beautiful. Well, as promised, she's back to take a look at Genoa City and all of the things that worked or were close to working. Allison, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Glad to be here. So we uh, talk privately, of course, behind the scenes about whether soaps have good years or bad years. And I know that... Every soap had moments where it struggled, but we're not here for that this week. We're going to talk about the things that we liked on The Young and the Restless. And, of course, there were some shakeups behind the scenes, so I don't know if that's indicative of things working or not working. So let me find out from you. What were some of your highlights that you think really will go down as uh, the best of 2012? Well, you know, I, I kind of think I'm in the minority here, but to me... One of the best things of 2012 was Jeannie Francis as Genevieve on the show. Uh, I'm kind of sorry that with the transition to the new executive producer and new head writer that we didn't get to keep Genevieve as a character on the show because she was really a catalyst for a lot of storyline. I love the way Jeannie played the character. Didn't always understand where the character was coming from, but uh, really enjoyed... Her interaction with Victor in Japan, her interaction with Jack, the, the marriage that never came about, uh, her whole thing with Tucker following Victor to the Los Angeles docks and turning into this barmaid who was helping him out. I all thought all that stuff was terrific. Uh, even her struggling with, you know, having money, not having money, having money, back and forth was great. And it infuriated me, and I guess this falls into the negative category, but I've got to say it, uh, by dropping the whole Genevieve storyline, we also dropped the whole Claude Sherrill storyline. So there's an unresolved mystery that I guess we're never going to get resolved. Let's talk about some of the other stories. I mean, there have been a lot of mm. stories that have gone on for seemingly the bulk of the calendar year and now of course as you mentioned with a new executive producer that may or may not change what are some of the more ongoing stories that you found yourself enjoying well clearly the the fight for newman enterprises was just huge i mean we had uh the whole situation with victor uh, marrying sharon uh to sort of a, a, a knee-jerk response to uh, Nikki marrying Jack, and then uh, him having this strange accident and disappearing, leaving pretty much Sharon in charge. Of course, she did burn the uh, uh, the prenup, so she put herself in charge. She basically destroyed Newman Enterprises, as we know it, and opened the door for, uh, of all people, Jack to wind up as the CEO of Newman Enterprises. Jack also ended up as, you know, getting Beauty of Nature and Jabot, and now he, he's calling himself the king of the world, and he's got this crazy, you know, now addiction to pain medication. So the Jack-Victor storyline is a perennial. It always works. It worked this year. It's going into 2013. It's still going to work. But now we also have these wonderful sort of seconds and commands because we have... Adam around on the fringe of the storyline. We've got Tucker on the fringe of the storyline. We have other characters that are going to play a big part in this. 
And we also get to see what happens with Victor when he doesn't have Victoria and Nick to do his dirty work for him. So uh, I think that whole dynamic truly, truly works on the show. And I think the fact that they were smart enough to put Nikki and Victor back together is probably one of the uh, better moves because people truly want that couple together, you know, through thick or through thin. So uh, that central dynamic still works, and I think was a very positive for young young wrestlers. Well, we heard earlier in the show when talking about General Hospital that GH fans really like the fact that some familiar faces from the past have popped into the show to really focus on veteran characters and characters that fans care about. Do you think that that's something that The Young and the Restless is getting better at mining? Because there for a while there were a lot of new faces on the show. Yeah, I think it was very smart of them to bring back Christine uh, and to pair her again with Paul to bring up the 19-year-old story of Phyllis trying to run them down with a car was terrific. It also brought Danny back into the storyline. I thought all of those beats were really, really well done. And uh, now the idea that uh, Chris is moving back to Genoa City, she wants to reunite with Paul, uh, all positive. I mean, I think they should become, you know, uh, a major couple on the show because they have a lot to contribute. I mean, she's a lawyer, he's a detective. You know, we need more, more, ca- more characters that can be catalysts for the stories. We need somebody more than Michael who's handling every case. Now, they did say goodbye to Heather, although they didn't really say goodbye to her. She just sort of disappeared, her and Daniel. <laughs> Presumably, we're going to find out what happened to them. Uh, it was good news to hear that Abby's going to come back and that um, Marcy Ryland's going to play her again, because, again, that's an, an important character. She's one of Victor's children. She should be on the show. So, uh, the, but we did also lose Ashley, and that's a big loss because Jack uh, needs his family, and he's estranged from Billy now. Ashley was a mainstay at Chabot for a long, long time, and I, I do think we're going to miss uh, Ashley on the show. I have a feeling we'll be talking about that next week when we talk about the worst of <laughs> the Young and the Restless, and your. Best of, worst of column for The Young and the Restless will be posted December 31st. So that is definitely something that YNR fans are going to want to check out. But until then, we're going to hear from you next week, Allison. Are you game to come back and talk about things that didn't work in Genoa City? Just try to keep me off the air. (laughs) Well, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, Allison. Bye, Dan. And that is going to bring us to the end of this very special edition of Soap Central Live and our look back at the best of the world of soaps in 2012. I want to thank all of our SoapCentral.com Two Scoops columnists for dropping by and sharing their picks with us this week. Don't forget, they're going to be back next week with their looks at the things that didn't work in 2012. That's right, it's our worst of 2012 show, airing December 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. If you've missed any part of today's show, want to hear it again, or maybe you want to share it with some of your soap friends, you can head over to soapcentral.com radio to check it out there. While you're there, you can also check out any of the episodes that we've broadcast over the past 12 months. And while we're still here and before we end today's show, it is probably very apparent I'm no longer a child, but that doesn't mean that we can't still make out a Christmas list, even as adults. Certainly in light of some of the recent tragedies in Connecticut and elsewhere in the U.S., it's 
never the wrong time to wish people a Merry Christmas and to wish all of you a safe, happy, and healthy New Year. I want to thank you so much for your support over the past 12 months here on Soap Central Live and certainly on SoapCentral.com. And I leave you with a song that I felt was fitting for this occasion. It's called Grown Up Christmas List by Natalie Cole. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next week. Christmas